Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Driving Forward podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Stasiowski of the American Highway Users Alliance, Trade Association Washington, D.C., focused on bringing the road users community together and modernizing the system. Each month, we are going to dive into a topic of importance to the road users community. And for our first episode, I thought we would start with a topic that everybody deals with. But first, here is our Washington update. On November 14th, the American Highway Users Alliance held their annual meeting. This meeting took place at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Washington, D.C., and we hosted several members of Congress and administration officials. This year, we hosted members of the House and Senate who are transportation experts. They gave their thoughts on the implementation of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, their hopes for the next highway bill, and even some thoughts for how to reform the Highway Trust Fund. We also hosted leaders from the Biden administration who discussed electric vehicle infrastructure, roadway safety, and roadway investment. In addition to their thoughts on the highway programs, the members of the House and Senate also gave their thoughts on the looming shutdown. They were confident that we would have a funding solution to get us into next year, which will allow more time for the appropriators of the House and Senate to find an agreement on the Transportation and Housing Urban Development Appropriations Bill. The highway users have been very active in pushing for funding that exceeds IIJA levels. We are hopeful that this time will allow for the appropriators in the House and Senate to reach an agreement on a funding bill that will include additional money for the bridge program and truck parking in the next Transportation and Housing Urban Development Appropriations Bill next year. The 2023 American Highway Users Alliance annual meeting was a great opportunity for the entire road users community to come together and discuss issues of importance to us all. Please be on the lookout for updates from the highway users on how we plan to approach the next highway bill in the coming year. And now on to our interview. Many of the people listening in their cars may be dealing with this subject right now. Today, we are going to discuss traffic. Joining us today is Rebecca Brewster. Rebecca is the President and Chief Operating Officer for the American Transportation Research Institute, also known as ATRI. ATRI is an essential tool for transportation policy makers, and we are lucky to have Rebecca here today as ATRI just published their 2023 Cost of Congestion study. Rebecca, welcome to the Driving Forward podcast. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be with you today and, and talking about, it sounds weird to say one of my favorite topics, but it certainly <laughs> is a, a big deal to the trucking industry. And, and that, of course, is where ATRI's focus is, research to improve the industry's safety and productivity. Yes, it is. You guys have been doing great studies on this for years now. So before we get into your report, I wanted to touch on a few issues just to first help the conversation. So my first question is, what is the difference between traffic and congestion? I find people are constantly using these terms interchangeably, but they're not the same, right? They're not. I mean, traffic is is just vehicles on the road. That's yeah. part of daily commuting wherever you are, daily life. But congestion is when there really are too many vehicles using the same space, uh, bringing constraints to the system beyond what it was originally designed to hold. So whether that's the result of just too many people living in an area and so resulting increased demand for the stuff that's brought on trucks and more trucks in that traffic stream, 
or whether it's caused by a traffic incident or a crash, slowing things down, uh, weather certainly, weather events certainly add to congestion. But what we do at ATRI is identify what this means to the trucking industry, because by articulating this situation with data and, and reliable data year in and year out, it helps policymakers understand uh, how important it is to make investments in the infrastructure uh, to help eliminate this congestion or at least mitigate this congestion. So I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that we actually do kind of try to determine how many trucks and buses and cars will be on a road. That's how we kind of assign investment in these areas. How do you see the you know, these investments meeting with the changing of where people are living. I know people are constantly moving. I think we'll talk about COVID in a little bit, but I think we've seen COVID has caused a lot of people to change where they live, how they commute, how they do all these things. Is that throwing a wrench in this even more so, or what do you think? Well, it certainly um, points to some findings in our research that might be beyond what people would normally expect. We've got some states on the top list for congestion that that wouldn't necessarily jump forward to mind until you understand the underlying causes of, of why they're in the top 10, if you will. Uh, when you combine this latest study, our cost of congestion to the trucking industry, with another annual report we do at ATRI where we identify the top 100 truck bottlenecks, you really do start to map out where congestion is having the most impact on the nation's supply chain. Although I tell people particularly with the bottleneck list, these are places where we've identified they're particularly problematic for trucks. But the fact of the matter is, Andrew, cars are sitting in that same traffic congestion that the trucks are. It's not that the trucks are causing it or, right. or they're experiencing it indifferently. These are just tough places to operate because of the number of vehicles there. So let's get to another term, because you said it a few times, and I know it's a big part of your study, but a bottleneck. Quickly, just describe that for everyone who's you know, has heard the term, but might not, might not know the exact definition. Right. Well, a bottleneck just brings uh, a little more granularity to this congestion equation. And uh, at ATRI, we study truck bottlenecks. And so we've identified over 300 locations on the U.S. roadway system, primarily on uh, the national highway or the interstate highway system, but also across the national highway system where uh, it's, we call them freight significant locations. So for us, they're places where there's a lot of truck traffic because that's where we want to focus our analysis on. Mm -hmm. But but again, generally when the trucks are sitting in this much traffic, the cars are as well. Right. So let's get into the study. I, I know you guys have your top 100 bottlenecks, but what were your kind of your main findings? What were your key takeaways that people should be interested in? So again, the, the focus of, of this latest study, the cost of congestion to the trucking industry, is to look at the impact of that congestion that we identify in the bottleneck analysis and really assign a cost to it and, and understand what it means operationally for the trucking industry. So we updated prior cost of congestion work. Uh, the last cost of congestion study we did used data from 20. 16, and we updated it through 2021. So it's an annual figure we've updated now through 2021. And in 2021, uh, trucking industry congestion costs hit $94.6 billion. So that's billion wow. with B, $94.6 yeah. wow. cost to the trucking industry. And of course, Andrew, if the trucking industry is experiencing those kind of costs uh, from wasted productivity and time wasted in, in traffic congestion, uh, ultimately, it plays out through the cost of goods that we all use. Right. So that's 
obviously very timely as we're coming into the holiday season now and people are relying on more products being shipped and more on trucking even than they do normally in their daily life. Some of the things that we've talked about over the years, I think policy people have talked about over the years is why can't we just add additional lanes to traffic to kind of alleviate these bottlenecks? And I know that there's some who will say that, you know, if you increase the number of lanes on a highway, you'll just bring more people onto the road and it won't do anything to deal with congestion. What are your thoughts on that? Well, certainly there are those who say if you build it, they will come. Yeah. And and there is some uh, measure of truth to that. When we mm-hmm. have more uh, capacity, we're able to handle more vehicles. But the fact of the matter is, in so many of these instances, um, Andrew, the traffic demand or the demand for that capacity has just far outgrown what that original interstate section of interstate might have been built to to be. And I mentioned earlier states that are on the top 10 list for cost of congestion that aren't ones that would necessarily jump out to you as mm-hmm. states where when you think of traffic congestion, you think of these states. But one in particular is Louisiana. And okay. that's a state where it's in the top 10. Uh, and part of the reason is you've seen growth in their ports, but you also have in Louisiana a state where their road infrastructure is has just not kept up and it's in great need of repair. And so that deteriorating infrastructure slows everybody down, creates more uh, traffic incidents, creates more congestion, and therefore it puts Louisiana, a state people don't normally think of as a top congestion spot, into the top 10. So that's kind of an idea of resilience, right? If you need to build resilience into the system to where if you can't just expand, what about adding kind of additional routes that may get to similar places but aren't just adding along that same route but can alleviate some of the congestion? Have you seen successes with that? Absolutely. Anytime you can add new capacity, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be for cars or trucks, and and I think uh, of a location not far from my office here in Atlanta where express lanes were added for car drivers. Mm -hmm. And it's a tolled express lane for car drivers, but it takes those vehicles that choose to to pay that toll for a a car driver out of the general traffic stream. And we've seen that particular location, because cars have jumped over to the um, toll lanes, we've seen that particular location drop down in its ranking on our annual bottleneck list. So when you have new capacity that provides an option for users to take advantage of if they choose to, you do see improvements in the the traffic congestion in that location. And I think you said it was, what, $94 billion was the most recent number? $94 billion. And and another thing we do in this analysis, Andrew, that I think really brings it into perspective for people is we equate that to how many truck drivers uh, it is sitting still for an entire year. Okay. And so it's 1.2 billion hours of lost productivity, wow. which is the equivalent of 460,000 truck drivers sitting still for an entire year. 460,000 truck drivers. So when you look at the driver shortage numbers right. we see coming out of the American Trucking Association, depending on the year, it's typically between 65,000 and 80,000 drivers needed. And because of traffic congestion, we have what equates to 460,000 drivers going nowhere for an entire year. So it's just kind of compounding that impact right there. It, it is. It is. One of the things that we're looking at the highway users and we want to start talking about is our global competitiveness through our infrastructure. How does our bottlenecks and our ability to, for truck traffic to move 
compare to say China or India or the European Union who you know, we're going to be competing for for investment and manufacturing and jobs and everything? Right. Well, certainly uh, we have to address our infrastructure if we're going to bring, you know, as, as many in this country want to do, nearshoring or reshoring of our manufacturing and our, our component manufacturing. If we want to do that, we have to make sure that our infrastructure is built up to a way that it can handle it without this strangulation from congestion, quite frankly, uh, because it does start to hurt our competitiveness globally. So are you seeing these bottlenecks mostly just in you know areas of multiple highways? Are you seeing it at ports kind of everywhere? Is there a common theme you're seeing? It's amazing when we look uh, particularly at the top 100 bottlenecks, they really do cover the continuum. I mean, you have major metropolitan areas where you have multiple interstates coming together, and it's yeah. not surprising to see that. But then again, you have stretches of roadway in other states where you wouldn't think it would be a highly congested area, but where through either, uh, like in the case of Louisiana, the infrastructure is in such need of repair that it creates congestion. Or there are places where uh, the state has really put a lot of investment into, for instance, inland ports mm -hmm. and building new warehouses uh, to meet increased consumer demand that we see tremendous growth in congestion because with all that increased consumer demand and all those goods going into those warehouses, you have to have trucks to take them in and take them out. And our ability to build the infrastructure to compete or to meet that demand, just we don't have that capacity within our system now. It takes too long to build roads and to really identify where those new hotspots could be. I think a lot of people get frustrated with this topic because it does seem like we never can sort of fix, build our way out of it. But, you right. know, Andrew, over the years when we've been monitoring traffic congestion mm -hmm. uh, in the trucking industry, we have seen uh, some positive findings from places that states that make an investment in their infrastructure and they see their congestion go down. And, and the number one location we always point to on our bottleneck list is uh, what is now known as the burn interchange in Chicago, it used to be called the circle interchange. When we started doing our annual bottleneck analysis, it was the number one location for three years in a row. The state of Illinois at that point made a decision to make an investment in that interchange they cited specifically the fact that they no longer wanted to have the number one truck bottleneck in the country. <laughs> we love that. It's sort of yeah. the poster child for why we sure. do that research. Well, it's still in the top 10 list. It's now at number six in our most recent list because when you have construction, you're going to have congestion. Right. But the fact of the matter is it has come down the list. And like other locations we've seen on that top 100 list, when that construction is complete, we expect it will drop down even farther. So do you think a lot of these projects that you've identified, are they mostly, I don't want to say state projects, but are they multi-state? Are they more within localized area that can be more easily fixed? Or is it going to take you know, larger investments? Well, you know, a lot depends on the state. But I think about my hometown here in Atlanta and the, the significant investment that the Georgia DOT is putting in around 285, which is our perimeter here in Atlanta mm -hmm. that goes around Atlanta was originally built years ago as a truck bypass for Atlanta. Uh, but the city has far outgrown outside the perimeter, and so it is a, a major thoroughfare for cars and trucks, and it's always congested. Many of our truck bottlenecks are on 285. But the Georgia DOT is really making a significant imp uh, investment in fixing a lot of the interchanges where we have the most problems. So, you know, it's focused on Atlanta, but when you think of how much freight 
in, in the trucking industry travels through Atlanta coming out of the Port of Savannah or coming out of Florida and heading to points north and west, you really start to understand how these local investments really make a, a big uh, impact on the overall supply chain. So over the years, you guys have been doing the studies and, and pulling all this data. Have you been able to figure out where future problems could become bigger problems? I'm thinking of areas, you know, like Nashville, where you, you're constantly hearing about growth in Nashville or Arizona or areas like that where just a lot of people are moving. And as a result, you're going to see a lot more freight movement to accommodate the, that influx of people. Right. And I guess it sort of gives away my age and my tenure. But as long as I've been doing this, we have started to see places where we know there's tremendous population growth. Mm -hmm. And with that comes traffic congestion. And with that comes because of the increased um, commuter traffic, but also, uh, again, the increased demand for everything that comes on truck. And, and people, I think, sometimes forget that when they have a city or a locale where there's tremendous population growth, all those people need all the things that are brought by truck. And so they, they cannot turn a blind eye and say, we don't want trucks on our roadways, we don't like trucks, when everything that they have in their lives comes to them by truck. So back to COVID, I, I think, you know, we've seen obviously population shifts, but we've also seen kind of a, a change in commutes. And I think part of that is people changed you know, how they commuted. Maybe they used to take the subway, but now they bought a car to deal with COVID. So now they're just not going back to the subway. People, you know, maybe only work two to three days a week now. So, you know, I know here in DC, Monday is usually pretty light traffic. Friday is usually pretty light. Tuesday, Wednesday seem to be a lot busier. How does that changing impacting what we're seeing in, in bottlenecks and traffic patterns and congestion? Is there anything that you guys have been able to hone in on from that? Well, certainly we have seen a big change, certainly during COVID. Uh, you know, if there was one silver lining for the trucking industry during COVID, it was the fact that everyone else stayed at home and the trucking industry didn't stop working. Right. So we had the the roadway system to ourselves and we saw average truck speeds go up closer to the posted speed limit because they weren't dealing with congestion. Um, by 2021, which is again what this cost of congestion study looked at, we did see traffic congestion come back because in a lot of places, people were returning to work. Those stay-at-home orders were being lifted. Um, employers were having employees come back into the office. But we are seeing some different commuting patterns, which are the result of, as you indicated, you know, these hybrid work environments where people are at home some days and in the office other days. It will start to play out in the data as we look year to year. But the, the fact of the matter is the trucking industry is a 24-7 industry. So trucking fleets have become very sophisticated in, you know, in their planning as much as their customers' delivery schedules will allow for it in understanding when they should route their drivers through certain locations. And certainly they use Atri's bottleneck list as a, a tool in that decision-making process to understand Let's not set up a delivery expectation with our customers that would route our drivers around 285 in Atlanta between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. because that's the worst time to be on 285. So the, the industry is constantly adapting and making adjustments as they can to congestion. But at the end of the day, it's such a big issue that we've got to deal with it for everybody because it really is, in a lot of locations, bringing the supply chain nearly to a halt. Yeah, along those lines, have you guys seen any kind of impact of congestion pricing? 
I know the trucking industry is always going to be conscious of, of making sure that they can deliver their goods at the most you know efficient price. But as we're seeing a lot of cities are putting in congestion pricing or only allowing trucks to enter cities at certain times or at certain locations, how is that impacting the ability of freight to move efficiently? Well, when you look at an industry like trucking where the operating margins are as low as they are, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of wiggle room for, for fleets. So, you know, if fleets are subject to the congestion pricing, if they're not able to uh, pass that along to their customers, they're simply not going to be able to pick up and deliver in those areas. And so it, it brings down the supply of carriers who are, might be servicing an area. It's just a very difficult situation for the industry. When I talk about the bottleneck list in particular, the number one location is Fort Lee, New Jersey. Well, that's the New Jersey side of the George Washington Bridge. And of okay. course, yeah. that, that's a toll bridge. And right. so fleets whose trucks and drivers have to go over the George Washington Bridge face a very significant toll. It's over $100 one trip for a large commercial vehicle. If they get over into New York and they go into the proposed um, congestion pricing area, that's, you know, another added cost to deliver into the congestion zone in lower Manhattan, but really starts to add up in terms of the cost for the trucking fleet to even service that area. And so, you know, if that's not able to be passed on to their customer, it really makes a, a tough decision for the fleet whether they want to consider even servicing that particular route. And, and a lot of these congestion pricing locations, like you mentioned with New Jersey and New York City, you don't have options really to go other ways. You can only go the tolled route. There's no non-tolled way that's efficient, right? Right, right. Uh, it, unless you're going to go way out of your way. And there are some fleets who will do that, who have made that decision to take other routes. But in terms of efficiency, and particularly when you see fuel prices so much higher, then fleets don't have really the option to go way out of their way to avoid uh, those tolled routes. So one of the other things I noticed in your study was by sitting for so long, the fuel burn just gets bigger and bigger on these trucks. And you go from, I want to say, seven miles per gallon down to two and a half to three in some instances. Yeah, and so using some publicly available data sets that, that calculate how much fuel is used in stop-and-go traffic, we calculated the total wasted fuel for the trucking industry in 2021, which again is one of those numbers with a B billion, <laughs> 6.7 billion wow. gallons of wasted fuel. And of course, Andrew, with that wasted fuel comes additional environmental impacts. So we have increased CO2 emissions resulting from that burnt wasted fuel. And so it, this really is not just the trucking industry's issue. This is everybody's issue and everybody is experiencing this. Again, it, it increases the price of goods. It makes it harder for us to find and keep truck drivers because, you know, who wants a job where you're stuck in traffic all day long? And so that makes it tougher for us to, to do all that we're expected to do in the trucking industry. So it really does have ripple effects throughout the economy. Would you say that that impact is more on the delivery side, you know, within more larger urban areas? Or would you say that is more on the hub and spoke kind of warehouse to warehouse portion of it? I think you see it, you know, depending on where a driver runs, but certainly if you're a driver who comes out of, say, the Port of Savannah or comes out of uh, Florida, you go through Atlanta, really tough traffic situation, almost all hours of the day, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. If you're headed up uh, through Nashville, there's another big traffic choke point. 
And depending on where you go, you're going to hit these major metropolitan areas that might be a through point on your route and not necessarily just those last mile deliveries. This is going to be a tradition on the Driving Forward podcast, and you're going to be the first person to give this answer. So congratulations. (laughs) If you could make one policy change, and in your instance, to relieve congestion and ease the movement of goods and people, what would it be? Wow. Rebecca's magic wand. (laughs) We might take that. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I, I am very encouraged with the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and and what it means in terms of investment in our infrastructure. If I had a magic wand, what I would love to see is let's combine that increased investment with an understanding by car drivers that where they have a choice to take another route or go at a different time, that they should do that because In the trucking industry, in so many instances, we don't have those options. We have to rely on the national highway system to get us through and to our destinations. And in many cases, depending on what cargo we have on board, we can't divert off onto local streets. Um, It's just a very difficult, challenging situation for us. And where car drivers don't have the options, then they need to be more understanding that Everything they want and use in their lives is coming on those trucks. That's true. And I think with the IIJA, we've started the process of really increasing investment in our roads and bridges. I mean, it was a huge increase in what we spent, but we need to keep that going. We need to make sure we have the funding in place to go beyond the IIJA and future highway bills need to continue to improve on what we started with the IIJA. Absolutely. And and for our part, I mean, we're just a, a little research organization, but we utilize in our research a data set that has nearly a million freight trucks worth of GPS data that comes into Atri on a daily basis. And so we use that data to map out where these choke points or bottlenecks are. So we can provide a roadmap for where investment in these locations will have the biggest impact. Well, that's great. I mean, I think using data to identify future problems is a significant benefit to our policymakers and everyone in the transportation industry as we try to become more competitive with our infrastructure and get more people to come into the United States and invest here and continue to see, as you said, the onshoring and nearshoring of our jobs and manufacturing and everything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Rebecca Brewster, thank you so much for coming on the Driving Forward podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. All right. I wanted to thank Rebecca for joining us today on the Driving Forward podcast. I thought it was an excellent conversation and I think we all learned a lot more about traffic and congestion. Please listen and subscribe to the Driving Forward podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Topic up.